You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Built Bar. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off of your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH. And of course, you can find our guest Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, how are you today? I'm great, Walker. I am curious if we should be shaming you about the breakfast this morning. Oh, it was was a shameful breakfast. breakfast. Um, uh, What I usually do is I need my caffeine, which I had done a really good job in my life of staying off of. And then I realized continuing to wake up at 4.30 every weekday morning, I was slowly going to deteriorate if I did not get some form of caffeine. I'm not a big coffee guy. So I go with these energy drinks that don't have any calories or any sugar in them, even though I understand that is misleading for how good it actually is for you. And I also gave in today and ate a honey bun. That's something that I did. It was a shameful breakfast. What what were the calories and carbs in that honey bun? (laughs) It was was 570 calories in the honey bun. And it was, I believe, 73 grams of carbs in just the one honey bun that I ate. And it was over a third of your daily value that you should be getting percentage-wise. It was shameful, Rick. I mean, I think you have successfully, by just asking if you should shame me, I would agree with you that that is something I'm not exactly (laughs) proud of. (laughs) It was something I did, and that's something I'm going to have to live with by my belly jiggling uh, a little bit extra this week by eating that. Rick Bennell joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, let's start off with uh, something else that should be shameful, and that's Bob Johnson talking about ways to operate uh, television after we already know the problem that was CSET that he tried to implement here in Charlotte that lasted just one season. Bob Johnson did appear on CNBC talking about sports fans' expectations from television itself. What did you make of those comments and the messenger of those comments? I I was sitting in my home office and I noticed Bob was on my television set when I, um, when I flipped on CNBC early this morning and, and um, you know, Bob made, you know, an amazing, he became a billionaire off of BET. So he obviously understands a lot about television, but, you know, as we've discussed in the past, um, people kept telling him um, how, how weird it was to try to start a regional sports network from scratch when he had all this other stuff on the, on his plate with a, with a, an expansion team. It lasted a year and the vast majority of that year was this constant repeat of a Western Carolina football game, as if anybody would have ever watched that game. Um, and Bob went on CNBC today, and, and among the many things that he talked about was that he thought that sports fans have come to a place where they're they're sick of of buying these massive cable packages in order to get their sports, and that and that. Basically, cable television has to be remade in such a way that sports fans can have an a la carte option for what they want to watch. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. I guess he learned his lesson because I can't think of anything 
that was more misguided than thinking that people would pay $10 surcharge for digital cable long before digital cable was really a widespread thing specifically so that they could watch an expansion team play basketball that first season in Charlotte. It was, it was an amazing, it was such a predictable failure. The seven and 59 season is behind us. A lot of the Bobcats days are behind us, but this is still a team right now that I can't imagine would be attractive to a national audience. And yet still, Rick, we are discussing the idea of doing something to find some competitive basketball for these teams that were not invited to Orlando. Now, I know we've talked about how important it is for these players to engage in some type of competition, but now we're also discussing the rising numbers all across the country and specifically in a county like Orange County, Orlando, where the NBA is supposed to restart. You know, with all of the spikes that we're seeing across the country, Rick, how much is the chance of some type of tournament or comp or competitive basketball? How much of the chances of that being diminished? Uh, or what are the chances of that? I should say uh, of that, of that being diminished for some of these teams to compete at a high level. Is that looking more and more um, unlikely? I know that there are some front offices among the eight, not going to Orlando <clears throat> who feel that the league, um, should create some sort of alternative way for them to scrimmage other teams, whether it be bring them all into one setting or whatever. Um, I think, you know, I thought it was interesting. Mitch's comments um, at, you know, end of, in his end of the season press availability, when he said that he, he wants the league to do everything that they can to provide the Hornets and the other seven teams with opportunities, you know, practices, you know, whatever. And then at the end of that, there was a qualifier that I thought was appropriate that he said up to the point of safety. Um, Walker, I, I don't know if, you know, you, you talk a lot about these whole, this whole concept of a bubble and whether these bubbles are actually existing, whether they're like mesh hats. Um, I don't, you know, it, it as complicated as everything that we are seeing about figuring out a way to finish the season for the playoff teams, it would strike me as insane to, to go through everything you would have to go through to create an alternative bubble to stage what would effectively be summer league games between teams that nobody is going to watch those games that doesn't have to while the playoffs are going on. I just think bringing 400 people together to do something like that would not make a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. The risk assessment would probably say no to that. Like I would completely agree with that. Rick, what, what do you think about the NBA restarting in Orlando with the 22 team plan that they have in place? Because there are a lot of concerns, but it does seem like the plan is extremely thought out. Of course, it it's not flawless and it's compl it's not 100% foolproof. But we are hearing that for the moment, scientists are saying that it's okay to try to implement this right now. Of course, anything could change. Just your overall thoughts on the NBA restarting in Orlando and how hesitant you are that they should actually be doing this. Um, I commend the NBA for what looks like meticulousness. I also know that there are things that even the smartest people on the planet would not be able to anticipate. Something's going to happen that they couldn't plan for. You know, but Walker, all the scrutiny 
in both directions about whether this should or shouldn't happen. Um, it really seems reflective of the times in general, as far as things that I never thought were political in nature have become political in nature. Um, you know, whether or not you choose to wear a mask when you're in a grocery store has become, you know, whether you do or not, some kind of political statement. And um, my friend Katie Peralta puts it really well. When did science become politics? Hey, speaking of science, I've been looking up some stats on this uh, honey bun. Uh, same carbs as two bowls of pasta. And to burn off the calories of a honey bun walker, you need to swim for 18 minutes, bicycle for 34 <laughs> minutes, jog for 25 minutes, or you could walk for a solid hour. So uh, get to work. So uh, effectively, that's going to be with me for quite a while because I plan on doing none of those things. <laughs> none of those things is something that I plan to do to cut off of the honey bun and the caloric intake that comes. Okay, with that Walker, honey here's bun. what you can do to have a healthy breakfast and not have to do all of that exercising afterwards. You can order a box of Magic Spoon cereal. Uh, this stuff is honestly, it's it's really amazing. I've got a couple boxes in the house right now. Uh, this cereal, breakfast cereal, tastes delicious. Tastes just like all of the breakfast cereals you had when you were a kid, but it's for adults. It has zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving of this cereal. Four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted. The frosted flavor, by the way, remember the Rice Krispie Treats cereal that we used to eat as kids? That's, oh, yeah, great stuff. It, it tastes, I swear, it tastes exactly like that. So, it's amazing. So you're... So you're also telling me it's not going to have 570 calories no. in just one bowl in one no. sitting. Zero sugar, three net gram of carbs in a bowl of cereal. It's pretty nuts. Uh, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. I mean, this stuff is healthy for you. It's healthy for the environment. Uh, you can go to magicspoon.com slash NBA to grab a variety pack and try it for yourself today. And be sure to use our promo code, that's NBA, at checkout to get free shipping on that order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you get the cereal and you don't like it for any reason, they're going to refund your money, no questions asked. But I'm telling you right now, I, seriously, I love this cereal. It's the best cereal that I've ever had. And it, all, it has zero sugar. Whoa. It's crazy. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's crazy. It's great. Uh, that's magicspoon.com slash NBA. Use the promo code NBA for free shipping. And uh, we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm -hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me, I'm pretty sure. Or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, I want to talk a little bit about the draft for the Charlotte Hornets just real quickly. When you look at the Charlotte Hornets and the kind of needs that they have, me and Doug were talking about this earlier, about the unpredictability. And I, you see LaMelo Ball as a point guard that might be taken number one overall. And there are some backcourt guys that could be interesting for the Hornets. You know, 
how much of there is there a, a, a need for a backcourt player for the Charlotte Hornets right now? And even at point guard, Rick, where you have guys like Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham already on the roster. All the way back in September, um, before the season, when I had lunch with uh, <clears throat> Cupjack and Borrego, Mitch um, brought this up without even being asked that he is in no way receptive to the idea, particularly now, but in general, that you pass over talent in order to um, in order to prioritize need. Um, Walker, I am completely convinced that if he thinks that a point guard is the best person available when they draft, they will draft a point guard. Um, it's kind of segues to something else. You know, I, I've heard you guys talk about some on the podcast. I know, I know, you know, I think you talked to Nat about that, this, um, I don't think the players have any reason to be offended. Um, and I don't mean that I'm not implying that they are, I don't know one way or the other, but what I'm saying is I don't think anybody should take any umbrage in the idea of Mitch and, and JB saying, that they are a long way from where they need to be talent wise. That's not insulting to anybody. Um, they, there are, they're nothing like a team that is on the verge of some sort of breakthrough that gets them to the second round of the playoffs. And until then, you know, you, you do everything you can to develop from within, but I think you have to have a very realistic attitude about what you are and you're not. So, Rick, do you think, understanding that you don't think the players should be insulted because of Mitch Kupchak's comments, do you think it's true that Borrego and Kupchak could talk about needing more talent and also saying that be, uh, also saying that they're happy with the guys and the young guys and the way they performed on the roster? Yeah, I absolutely do. If you had told me in September that um, those six guys would be have advanced to the extent that they did, um, I think I would have laughed. Um, I remember when JB told me that he was, you know, definitively going to be um, leaning in this direction. Um, I, I thought to myself, well, I think that's the right thing to do, but I think it's going to be a lot really tough in, in um, execution. And I think he did that very well. Um, I think the fact that they got something out of Jalen McDaniels is, is kind of striking. And, you know, the, the Martin twins um, look like a really nice developmental opportunity. Um, Devante and PJ, I think we're going to happen anyway. And, but, you know, Miles got better. Um, I think that they did a good job of investing playing time into raising the game of the people who have a chance to be around for the next playoff team. Rick, when you're talking about some of these young guys that need to maybe to take a step up. Like, is there anybody that you feel has the best ceiling of the young guys? Because I think we always talk about knowing the kind of uh, knowing that this team needs a star for sure. Like we understand that, but is there somebody on this team that you think does have the highest ceiling of anybody else that's currently on the roster? Uh, probably Devante in the sense that, um, kind of like the way that Kemba's um, development moved along. There are things that he does really, really well. And there are other things that still need work. Um, if he develops um, a, a mid-range game to complement what has become a pretty impressive long-range shooting thing so that he's got a sort of a counter to the way that people are defending him, he can be a really dangerous point guard. Um, 
I think that I think that PJ right now has a wider skill set. Um, my only question with PJ is when somebody has that good a rookie season, um, does that mean that he has unlimited potential or does that mean that he is sufficiently um, progressed to the point that you're starting to see what his ceiling looks like? And I don't know the answer to that question yet. Uh, Rick, I saw you post something on Twitter, I believe, about Denny Avdia, uh, the rookie, the international rookie. Uh, are you falling in love with him for the NBA draft for the Hornets pick? Are you, are you ready right. to give your rose to Denny? Are you asking me if I'm walkering on him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, that is the question. Are you falling in love with him such as I have fallen in love with so many prospects before? Um, I'll tell you, I know that, you know, just because they need talent more than anything else doesn't mean that certain players wouldn't fit into their, it wouldn't address their flaws better than others. And I think that his particular skill set and his body type could be really useful to a team that you know, would you guys agree with me? Really needs a secondary ball handler, playmaker among the wing players. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, how, you know, does does Devonte and do Devonte and Terry fit together for the long haul, or is it going to be more of an either or? And um, I've, I've told you guys that I love the way that Terry has been so adaptive to situations. Um, I know for a fact that one of the things that are on the Hornets' minds is having a long-term solution as far as somebody who can make plays from the wing positions. You know, when you think about it, you know, we've talked a lot about why Dwayne Bacon did or didn't work out here. A lot of that is because he isn't particularly adept at making plays for other people. Um, They need that kind of the word that the word that Steve Clifford has used to use that I really buy is connector. Great stuff. Big thanks to Rick Bennell for joining us each week. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Uh, Walker, listen, I'm always trying to find new apps for my phone, for my iPad, and I'm also looking for life hacks. Well, I found one. It's called Blinkist. It's the most useful app that's on my phone. I also put it on my iPad. It's my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. I want to tell you about it. It's really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. I'm not kidding. It takes these great nonfiction books, these books that you've always been meaning to get to, and it condenses them down into 15 minutes that you can either read or listen to. Uh, That's why I like Blinkist. I get to take it on my walk, my jog, and I get to learn something new, whether it's philosophy, business. I'm always, I'm constantly learning something uh, when I use Blinkist. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for just one low price. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer that's just for our audience. You go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. That's Blinkist.com slash NBA. You try it free for seven days and you get 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you're also going to save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. This is Locked on Hornets. 
Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I will say this, Doug, with all of the prospects that are in the NBA draft, the guys that I think I'm leaning more towards the most are the players that would be in the backcourt that have some size to them, because I do think that they would really match up well with some of the guys that are currently on the roster, right? Like Devin Vassell to me, I've talked about it before. I think Devontae Graham can be the playmaker for Devin Vassell. Kind of like what I mentioned with Malik Monk, I think Vassell is a better passer than maybe what he's been given credit for. The guy is a really good lobber. He is athletic. And the dude has shot over 40% from three. If you bring in a playmaker like, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Advia, Advija, Denny is what we're going to call him. If you bring in a playmaker like Denny, I think that would match up well because he has some size. Killian Hayes makes sense. Like for me, Doug, I know we've talked a lot about defensive rim running and athleticism at the big spot. I kind of like some of these big guards that you could implement in the backcourt. Yeah, I think size in the backcourt has to be uh, some kind of consideration, whether it's in the draft or, or some future free agency considerations to pair next to Devontae Graham for the future of this franchise. And if it's in this draft, I think they should go after it. I will say that, you know, Devontae Graham surprised me as a passer and PJ Washington surprised me with his ability uh, to find players in the corner, pass out of situations. And so I think they have a little bit more playmaking on this roster than they've had in years past from other positions. So while I think that Borrego coming out of San Antonio system is always going to value a player that can make plays for others, I don't necessarily think that you have to go out and find a wing that is a really, really good passer, maybe not as, as good a score, sort of in the Nick Batum mold. You can go and find a, a player that can score first, but can also make plays. And there are pr- plenty of wings in this draft uh, that sort of have that model, but but I think they should prize scoring a little bit more than they than than playmaking um, overall on that wing position. But but a lot to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you, Doug, and that's why I've kind of attached myself at the hip to Devin Vassell because I do think he's that. He's that what you just said. He's the big guy in the backcourt that does lend himself more to scoring, but also has the ability to make some nice heady basketball plays, passing or just pulling up for the jump shot. He's got a good mid-range jumper. He's got a good three-point jumper where if you watch his highlights, the guy's pulling up from well beyond three-point range. I I, I really like him. And I'd be just fine with some of the other backcourt guys, but it's because exactly what you said, valuing scoring more and even the playmaking a little bit, but yeah. still having that a part of your game, that that's why I've attached myself. Because I'll tell you right now, in my mind, Devontae Graham is ahead of Kimba Walker at this point of his career and, and maybe overall just in terms of his ability to pass, especially out of the pick and roll. I mean, we saw, we saw moments, Walker, where Devontae Graham with his passing was able to turn Bismack Biombo into an offensive weapon. Let, just let that idea kind of sit in your head for a second. And, and that's, you know, that's my argument that, that Devontae Graham is, is a really good passer. And then PJ did some things this year that surprised me as well. So yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's definitely what they should look for scoring and size at the wing position and also has sort of a, a feel for the game and an ability to develop as a passer. 
With that being said, we have talked quite a bit about Mitch Kupchak and Borrego just saying the fact that they need talent and they don't really care what kind of position they fill, what kind of skill set they fill. They just need talent at mm-hmm. um, at any position mm-hmm. on the roster. What do you make of what Rick had to say about how we can say that both things are true, that we can be happy with the way that the young players played last season and admit that they need talent and the players already on the roster should not be insulted by Mitch Kupchak saying that all of that, uh, what Rick said, what do you have to say? Um, well, I agree that they shouldn't be insulted. They should be motivated to, to just work on their game and get better. And if they do that, then they have the potential, uh, to, to, to get to where they want to be as an NBA player. But, you know, it, it's just interesting. I, I didn't really see anything from Devontae and PJ that would immediately make me think, oh, this player definitely is going to be an NBA star. I've said this many times. Like, they didn't do, they didn't pull a Donovan Mitch, Mitchell kind of, whoa, okay, this guy, um, there's no stopping him. Devontae Graham came close, but there was some stopping him. And, and I think the attitude that you see from Mitch Kupchak and, and James Borrego is not only an awareness of where they are now, but it's also an awareness of where this franchise has been uh, since Kimball Walker's ascension. Like Kimball Walker, as, as great of a player as he was, and he's the franchise's best player of all time, in my opinion, he wasn't enough on his own to catapult this team into the second round of the NBA playoffs. It, they almost beat the Miami Heat. But everything had to break right, and it didn't. Nick Batum was injured, and then they had some trouble in those first two games because Miami keyed in on Kimba Walker, and they were able to stop him. And so that, to me, is what Mitch Kupchak, if if I'm reading between the lines, I'm reading that this team understands that they have to find a player that can get them into that second round that is not so easy to scheme against. And I think... I'm unsure. I can't speak for them, but I'm unsure if that player exists on the roster right now. I'm with you. I think Devonte Graham. There, I mean, that was a I mean, Doug. I think there were more games that he was not good than he was good last season. Where you're talking about the first stretch, and maybe that, maybe it's close, but you you had a large sample size where he just wasn't all that great. And yet, I still really like what Devonte Graham did last season. But just to keep everything in check. We really did get a lot of bad things from Devonte, so he's, he's kind of an interesting play long term. And I also thought it was interesting what Rick had to say with PJ, where there does seem to be okay. Does his really good rookie season lead us to believe that we can get a lot more from him? That hey, he started off here, he can grow all the way to be here. You know that that's an interesting concept. Or does it go to well, the reason he was so good is because we're talking about a guy that can come in and contribute right away because he is a lot closer to his ceiling than maybe we thought. Right, but that's the fun part of all this, right? I mean, it's fun to imagine what Devonte could be if he develops a, a a really good mid range game and can finish better at the rim. It's really fun to imagine what PJ Washington could be if he gets better defensively, gets a little bit more kind of size and strength that he can do a little bit more rebounding wise and develop some of those post moves that we start started to see blossom at the end of the season. It's fun to imagine that. And and I just want you to understand that we've had players in the past that were brought into this organization where there was no imagining anything. Like you had no mm-hmm. room to imagine what they could be because they constantly showed you what they weren't. Like, that's the thing. Devontae and PJ are constantly showing you what they could be. And other players, I won't name any names, but there are other players at this team that, <laughs> that have been drafted to the Charlotte Hornets or Bobcats that constantly showed you what they could not be. So I'm, I'm excited about both of well, the, those young players. 
Well, and, and what's, what's interesting about this is, man, the guy that they did select that you did feel had the ceiling, it's Malik Monk. And think about how, how uncertain his future is with the team because he has not delivered on a lot of the potential that he showed you as far as on a consistent rate. And that goes against the other selections of the names that I have no problem naming, like Frank Kaminsky, where pretty clearly there was a ceiling to him. You know, Cody Zeller, pretty clearly there has been a ceiling to him. MKG, I, I you know, as long as he developed the jump shot, but we already knew it was going to take a, a long transformation offensively for him to be a good player on that end of the floor uh, in the NBA, right? Like Malik was the guy that showed you some star power in a way. I don't think those other guys did. And eventually it, it hasn't worked out. And I, I mean, you can feel pretty comfortable with three years saying he's not going to be this superstar player, even if you do think that he has a role with this team. No, yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement. I, I just think that the the limitations have been clear from so many players that have been brought into this organization mm -hmm. that to see players that actually um, do uh, project if things go right for them, they could become stars. I'm excited by, by that, but I also recognize the reality that they are not there yet and that the franchise has to do everything in their power to find players that may already be there. A lot of agreeing on this episode. Good stuff, Doug. I completely, this is, the, I think the smartest. Except for your breakfast. I'm not in agreement with your breakfast. Uh, terrible decision all around. You <laughs> need really. to reevaluate your breakfast draft strategy. Now, oh, the thing is, I agree with you. I just couldn't help myself. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar. You're like the for Knicks supporting of breakfast selections. <laughs> couldn't help myself. Tell you're smart. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA and Hollinger and Duncan, any other podcast you might want to listen to on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Not going to join us.